Welcome to the Mind on My Money podcast presented by Pinnacle Trust. Hosted by RebelGrove.com publisher Neil McCrady and Pinnacle Trust financial guru Martin Palomo, the Mind on My Money podcast tackles the financial questions we're all thinking about. From paying for college to saving for retirement, from life insurance needs to 401ks and everything in between. The goal is to help you take the stress out of financial concerns and give you some tips to enjoy life while your mind is on your money. Now here are your hosts, Neil McCrady and Martin Paloma. Welcome into another edition of Mind on My Money, presented by Pinnacle Trust. I'm Neil McCrady. Martin Paloma not with us today. He's out uh, gallivanting somewhere, I'm sure. Uh, Stacy Wall with Pinnacle Trust fills in for uh, Martin today. Good to have Stacy with us also today. Brooks Eason and Bob, is it Fugit? Is that how I pronounce it correctly, Bob? Yeah. Okay. Uh, everyone always mispronounces my name, so I'm, I'm so used to it that it's... Uh, I should, I should have asked that before. Well, as a matter of fact, just to, just to diverge for a second, for a couple of years, I lived in New York, and my cousin recently reminded me that I became a Fugati then whenever we <laughs> needed to go out to an Italian restaurant, and that really helped, but I'm not a Fugati in the South. <laughs> that might have worked for you in some of the different restaurants up there. It was very helpful. Yeah, I'm sure it was. Um, all right, we'll get started uh, in just a second. I'll tell you that I'm coming to you from the Clark Ford Studios. Clark Ford's in Amory, Mississippi, 662-257-1900. that number. Call it. Ask for Corey Clark. Tell him you're looking for a quote. Even if you're not looking for a Ford, even if you're not sure that you're looking for a vehicle right now, it'll help you get a baseline moving forward. Corey simply wants to help you make sure that you don't get run over by a car dealer, because some of them will do that. 662-257-1900, you'll get the quote. The rest is up to you. You can use that quote for your reference. You can shop it around, or you can do what I've ended up doing a couple of times now, and that's hop into a Clark Ford today. And Stacy, before we get rolling, tell the people a little bit about Pinnacle Trust and how they can get in touch with you all. Sure, Neil. Um, good seeing you and talking to you again. We haven't had a chance to visit in a while. I am coming to you from the Pelican Club Studios in Madison, Mississippi. And as most of our listeners know, uh, Pinnacle Trust is a company that I founded 23 years ago. Uh, and we work with people in the areas of investment management and planning for your financial future, handling retirement plans for companies. Um, and it's been a great ride. And we'd love to talk to any of our listeners at any time about uh, your plan for retirement and planning for that financial security. And we are super excited to have Brooks and Bob on the show today. Brooks is an attorney by trade, but he is also an author. And we're here to talk about his third book, right, Brooks? That's it. Number three, called Bedtime with Buster, who is Brooks's dog. Conversations with a Handsome Hound, and Bob is a CFO in Atlanta, and but he is also uh, an artist on the side and incredibly talented, and I will let Brooks tell us how he and Bob got together because Bob's done some incredible illustrations for the book. Well, I... Um... About six months ago, I was getting close to having the manuscript finished, and I knew that I wanted to get an illustrator, and I put out an APB um, looking for people and had a number of people express interest, and um, uh, 
Bob and I knew each other a little bit, but not well at all, and probably had not seen each other in 30 years. And But we have a mutual friend, a guy named Bill Holcomb, who's a doctor in North Alabama, who um, saw my APB, and he contacted me and said, you need Bob Fugate for this. And so uh, Bob and I got together, and um, it was a great thing. Um, I signed a book to give to Bill Holcomb uh, yesterday uh, because Bob has added greatly to this to this project with his illustrations. I, I told people he would send them to me. There are 32 in the book, including the cover, and he would send them to me by email one at a time when he finished them. And I would be at dinner or something, and I would look down and I'd say, I've got an email from Fugate. And it, I was like a kid on Christmas morning. I would just open it up and show it to everybody at the table. And uh, so he's greatly added to the book. It, it, it's some great illustrations, and I'm looking forward to reading the book. I got my first copy today when Brooks brought him over. So, Brooks, uh, first question is why a book about conversations with your dog? Uh, it's, it's, it's not normal. Um, I'll admit to that. My, my wife, I mean, you wouldn't think my wife would say this, but my wife Carrie says that I'm the weirdest person in the world. But, um, how this got started is one Saturday morning, it started because she's weird. Uh, one Saturday morning, about five years ago, I heard this conversation coming from our bedroom and it was Carrie speaking and then somebody responding in a higher voice, a higher pitched voice. And I was pretty sure nobody was in the house. And at the time we had Buster and we also had Molly, a Cocker Spaniel. And so I, I tiptoed back to the bedroom door to see what was going on. And I, I was just astonished to watch this conversation going on between Carrie and Molly. And Carrie was speaking as Carrie to Molly and then in the higher voice responding as Molly and Molly's just sitting there, not knowing what's going on. She's just a, uh, she's just a prop for Carrie's show. And I said something to Carrie. I said, what are you doing? And she said, well, I'm channeling the dog. Of course. I thought she'd be embarrassed that I caught her doing this, but not at all. And I said, you're crazy. And she said, everybody does it. And I said, not everybody does it. Uh, and she said, sure they do. And so after that, for about the next couple of weeks, you know, most of our friends have dogs and love dogs. And, um, I think that's a mark in people's favor if they have and love dogs. And so I just started, uh, conducting an informal poll and I would ask our dog loving friends, do you channel your dog? And a lot of them would say, okay, so, so by channel your dog, is that like fancy talk for the talk to your dog no it's Every imagining what your dog would say if you were having a conversation with right. you. You, you when you channel your dog you're thinking what the dog is thinking and responding uh everybody talks to his dog the question is does the dog talk back Fine. and so uh, yeah and so i uh i took this informal poll and i said do you channel your dog and i said you know people would say well what do you mean by that uh and i'd say well do you speak to your dog and then respond as your dog. And to my astonishment, I'd never even seen this, much less done it. Uh, to my astonishment, about half the people fessed up and said, 
Well, yeah, I do that. Oh, ab absolutely. Uh, as you know, we have two King Charles uh, Spaniels, and and they both talk to us all the time. I, so I guess that's channeling. But what, Neil? You've got a couple of labs, Gus and Rizzo. Do 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 you channel? Uh, I, I, I talk to them, but I don't ever, um, I don't ever pretend to, and they talk that for them to talk back, I probably don't even want to think about what they would say if, if they would actually have the ability to speak my language and talk back to me. I, I, it's probably a let good me, thing. Let me beg to differ on that, Neil. I think you would find it very enriching and fulfilling if you started channeling your dogs, uh, cause they've got things to say and you've got to be the one to say it for them. Um, one of the things that I do with Buster is I let Buster sort of be the heavy. Uh, if, if I want to say something to Carrie, but I'd rather not say it, then I get Buster to say it. Uh, you know, like oh, if she's I running do. late, if she's running late, Buster will tell her to get the lead out. Um, sometimes Buster says, uh, dad's sort of lonely. Um, he could use some attention. Uh, so I'll get Buster to do my work for me. Yeah, I, I will tell uh, one of our calves, uh, Lynn's being mean to me or tell her not to be so ugly to me, something like that. It's easier than confronting her directly. You channel your dogs, Bob? I do. Um, I used to have a, a, I've had several Cairn Terriers and one of them also wrote a book a few years ago. It's been privately published only. <laughs> it's, it's called um, All the World's a Kibble. And uh, he's passed on now, but um, we've got a, a successor terrier who's sort of the queen of the house. And, and she, she communicates quite a lot of wishes to the rest of us. I don't know if it's through channeling or what, but she certainly speaks our language and speaks her own as well. Bob, tell us from, from your end, your side, how you got involved and what it's like to to illustrate for Buster? Well, um, you know, uh, it, it was interesting for me to learn that there was an, another person who was interested, interested in, in making his dog an author since uh, for, I don't know, a year or so sometime back on business trips, I would remember my conversations with, uh, my terrier and all his adventures and things he had told me and things I'd witnessed that he'd been, been doing and, and wrote chapters of that. So then I realized that, you know, here's another guy who's doing something similar. So we had that in common. And, um, you know, once I took a look at, at the chapters, they're really funny. Um, Buster's a very smart hound and, um, they're very entertaining. So it was, it was really easy for me to come up with an idea for what to, um, you know, what to draw that would illustrate the theme of any particular chapter. It was a lot of fun. And, um, you know, I kind of did it off and on for uh, four or five months, I guess. And um, we took a vacation for a week up to Maine. And I think I did seven of them like one a day while we were there. And that was my, my sort of uh, buster blitz. But, um, but for the most part, you know, every few days I'd, I'd take a chapter, I'd read it and I'd think, wow, this is 
this is cool and you know let's let's do this and sometimes it would be um, uh, the the idea for what the illustration would be would come from Brooks and other times it would just sort of um, you know it would be a kind of a natural from from what I was reading yes. and it has some great great illustrations and and we'll tell people before we leave how they can see them and you can read more about the book excerpts and get copies but so so Brooks your wife Carrie was channeling first with Buster she was channeling Molly when I called Molly okay. yeah did were were you a channeler I had never channeled before but you know when I found out that about half our friends did it um I really took to it and the conversations that I and Molly was Carrie's baby and so Carrie had most of her conversations with Molly and so to give Buster equal time most of mine were with Buster and um you know Carrie's conversations were sort of the normal thing you would think you would have with a dog do you need to go outside do you want to treat something like that but I um I would talk to Buster about other things you know like don't you wish you had thumbs for example and uh, and what did Buster say about that well, he said it was a travesty that he doesn't have thumbs. And I said, well, you don't need thumbs. You know, you don't use a knife and fork. You don't drive a car. You don't write with a pencil. None of those things. And he said, and why do you think I don't do any of those things? <laughs> because I don't have thumbs. That's why. Obvious. Um, Buster is, um, as Bob said, Buster is smarter. He's smarter than the average person, actually, much less the average dog. Now, is your channeling voice when you speak to Buster? Is it your normal tone of voice, or no? And I don't, I don't know that my channeling voice has ever been recorded, but I'll, I'll do can it. Can you give us a? I can, I can do it. It's, it's. <laughs> Carrie says that uh, I'm not really channeling Buster. I'm actually channeling Marge Simpson uh, from The Simpsons, and I don't really know what she sounds like because I've never watched that show. But the Buster channeling voice is much higher than mine. He talks sort of like this. He says, "Dad." <laughs> Dad, what on earth are you doing? And it doesn't, you know, I didn't think that it suited him, the voice, because it's, you know, he's a 40-pound pound dog. He's a manly dog. Um, but then we, um, and this is what my one regret about the book. I finally, uh, about a month ago, decided to have a DNA test done for Buster. I thought, I've, you know, I've written a book about this dog. I should know what he is. And, um, you know, we assumed that he had to be part beagle or part foxhound. Um, he looks like a hound. He's, um, he had to be, but um, he wasn't. And so we got the DNA results. And um, so Buster agreed to a swab test or I, something? I, you or? know, I just stuck the swab in his mouth. I didn't even tell him what it was for. Okay. Um, but I stuck the swab in his mouth and sent it off and waited and then the drum roll came and we got the results and um and i thought it was hilarious but buster was horrified because you know when i broke when i broke the news to him and told him that he's he's uh this wasn't bad news he's three-eighths undetermined which means that three of his eight great-grandparents were also mixed breed dogs He's well, one fourth uh, American Staffordshire Terrier, and he was okay with that. You know, that's a manly, tough dog. Yeah. But um, he was one. He's one eighth each um, miniature 
wire-haired dachshund. Oh, that was a killer. That was hard to hear. Well, I'll tell you though. I'll tell you though. We th I thought we might have to change the uh, subtitle of the book, which is "Conversations with a Handsome Hound," because the only hound he has in him is the miniature wire-haired dachshund. And it gets uh, a lot worse. Oh gosh! So he's also one eight um, Chihuahua. Oh, that's a shame. Yeah, that's tough. And when I told him the last eight, he just crawled under the bed. He's also one eight Pekingese. Which is tragic. Yeah. yeah. I mean, so I'm, I'm curious. I, I'm, I'm just guessing that and we, it, this is the, 2020 has been a trying year for all of us. How much he learned this in 2020. I mean, it's hard to get into therapy as it is. Does the dog now require therapy? I mean, what, what have you had to do just to sort of rebuild, you know, just to, just to make, it, make him feel better about himself, just kind of rebuild feelings and that kind of thing. I mean, this is, it's been a challenging year for all of us. His response was a perfect 2020 response. He said, fake science. <laughs> and then he said, I demand a recount. <laughs> well, that's fitting. <laughs> it fits right into the 2020. <laughs> so the reason I have a regret about that is because I finished the book before I got the DNA test. And I could have had a great conversation with Buster in the book about the DNA test. Oh, you really could have. <laughs> you really could have. It's, uh, yeah. So, so the book has got 30 conversations um, about all sorts of things, about how I met Carrie, about there's a conversation about my daddy. There's a uh, conversation, you know, Buster wants a meal service for dogs. He's, I saw him one time sniffing the meal delivery service box that we got, and he wanted his own meal delivery service of um, almost 21 meals a week, uh, you know, because he eats three times a day, all uh, choice beef, all sorts of different dishes. And I said, 21 meals seems like a lot. And he said, do you think you could go back uh, from a filet with chanterelle mushrooms to dry dog food? <laughs> <laughs> and I said, I said, no, but I'm not a dog. And he said, I am a dog. And the answer is still no. So um, we have all sorts of um, chats about all sorts of things. I just sort of try to think, I would look at Buster and think, what would, what would you think about this? And um, so then I Does would, Buster have many dog friends? Uh, well, we have another dog now. We lost Molly last year, and we have Maddie, who's a toothless, old, neurotic dog. And um, she and Buster are friends, and Buster tolerates her. Buster liked Molly a lot more. And he gets along well with all dogs. He's, he's a cool dude. He's not very pleased with what he knows regarding Elvis Presley. <laughs> yeah, would you be? Uh, what, what does he know about Elvis Presley? I'm, I'm curious. <laughs> He knows he wrote that hound. He didn't write it. He knows that he recorded that hound dog song. I mean, how would you feel? Ain't nothing but a hound dog. Yeah, he didn't crying all too. the time. It is meaning. And it, never caught a rabbit either. Yeah. Man. And it's not a friend. Yeah, yeah. Yes. Now, that, yes. now that I think about it, it's not a particularly not a particularly flattering account of a hound dog's life. It very much denigrates the breed. Yeah, I asked Buster. I said, well, you know, you you're talking about never caught a rabbit. You've never caught a rabbit. And he said. We've got a fenced yard, Dad. We've got a fenced yard, Dad. And I said, 
he said, he said, open up the gate and I'll stack the rabbits to the ceiling. <laughs> <laughs> well, if that's what he feels, then the whole Pickney's thing didn't drag him down for too long. I mean, he was able to kind of restore his, his self-esteem. Well, I'll say this. He, he said that about stacking up the rabbits before he found out about the Pickney's. Well, if you think about it, that would now give him an excuse if he went out rabbit hunting and was unable to capture the rabbits. He would say, well, I mean, what am I supposed to do? I am part Pickney's, for God's sake. He would probably consider hunting for truffles instead. There you go. That's a thought. Buster, uh, I will tell you, Buster is the dog with an answer for everything. Now, now I know it's 2020 and the virus and all that. Well, when we get past this, are you and Buster going on a book signing tour? You know, we've got, uh, we've got one um, signing scheduled in Tupelo next week, and there will be social distancing at the signing, and Buster's going to go with me. Um, and I don't have anything scheduled yet. I had, I guess I've probably told you this, but I had 12 or 13 signings for my last book, Fortunate Son, uh, that got canceled as a result of COVID, I, I bought a bunch of books for these signings in February. And then in March, the curtain came down. And uh, so I've got a bunch of books, but uh, hopefully uh, the curtain will come back up and we can have events. I'm curious, how did you, how did you get the book published? How did you go down that route? Uh, both this book and the last book, I used an independent publisher in Nashville Word Crafts Press. Uh, I, I self-published my first book, which was about hiking trips with my best friend. And I decided I didn't want to do that. I decided I wanted to get a, you know, a real publisher and a contract and the whole deal. And uh, this publisher in Nashville, a guy named Mike Parker, uh, is in charge of it. And he was uh, recommended to me. And so I sent him my um, manuscript, A Fortunate Son. And he said, the next day, he said, I want to publish it. And so... Um, it was a successful, uh, marriage, I guess, other than the COVID. And, um, so when it came time for this one, I didn't look for anybody else. I just asked him if he wanted to do it and he said, sure, sight unseen. And so now, here we are. Did, how did the conversations go with you and Buster about sharing the revenue on the book? <laughs> well, uh, I didn't tell Buster that I was, uh, recording our conversations, until the next to last chapter in the book because i wanted him to be candid you know i didn't want him to pull his punches and you know how people right, are when they yeah. know when they know they're being recorded they won't uh say exactly what's on their mind and so when i finally disclosed it to him he was irate uh and <laughs> said you know what are you going to pay me for the use of my likeness uh obviously i will have uh control of the editing of the book to make sure there's nothing that shows me and i'm uh, in a bad light. And, um, I told him he was a dog and he had no legal rights. And he said, we'll see about that. I'll see you in court. And I said, good luck with that. And, uh, so, um, so this is twice now that the dog has threatened, uh, threatened litigation. I'm curious when you reached out to Bob, was Bob aware that, you know, as he, as he were, you know, doing the artistic representation of, of Buster, that, that this was a dog that was prone to, to uh, threaten litigation? No one warned me about that in advance, but I later come, came to the conclusion that my umbrella policy <laughs> might be useful in this case, but I, I'm not sure. 
Well, <laughs> I, 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 you know, if there's a dog defamation coverage, then uh, that would surprise me. But good luck with that. Are, are there any discussions yet about a possible movie? Oh, yeah. Buster's. Um, well, first of all, we. Uh, so the next to last conversation, um, he's irate and he's going to take me to court but he slept on it. And the next night he said, you know, it's an unwise dog who won't reconsider an unwise decision. And from the first time he found out about, about the book until the next night, he was already thinking about casting for the movie. Uh, yeah. And he's got uh, Jennifer Aniston or um, I don't remember somebody, some other good looking uh, actress playing Carrie, playing mom to her, to him. Yeah. And he's got, uh, Ned Beatty playing me. And I said, so, you know, you got this hot young actress for mom and you've got an old fat guy for me. And he said, I just want to make it true and real dad. <laughs> and, uh, so he's going to play himself in the, in the movie. You've got that. He's definitely going to play himself. Nobody else could possibly play Buster. Uh, Ned Beatty. Is he the guy who played Otis Campbell on Andy Griffith's show? <laughs> I don't think so. I know Ned. Oh, Beatty. Maybe not. Maybe they just look alike. Ned Beatty is the guy who got, um, <laughs> he, he's the guy who got violated in deliverance. Oh. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Ned Beatty is 5'8", probably a good 275. Uh, yeah, he's, he's. He's, uh, he's older and fatter than I am. I'll no one that. confuses him with Ryan Gosling or anything like that. Oh, he, no, uh, but anyway, so so Buster ultimately he was initially demanding a, a fair royalty split from the books, and um, ultimately he said it was okay uh, if I took all the royalties as long as I would uh, donate a portion of them to the shelter from which we adopted him, and so I agreed to do that, and a portion of the sales proceeds from every book will be donated to uh, two shelters. Kara here in Jackson is the shelter from which we adopted Molly and then Bark, which is the Belzona Animal Rescue Kennel in Belzona, Mississippi. Uh, Buster is a distinguished alum and, and we will donate part of the proceeds to Bark as well. How, how uh, difficult is it to animate a dog, Bob? As someone who can't draw at all, how do you, how do you, how much of a challenge is that as opposed to animating a, a human, for example? Well, I guess I would, would just say that the, the settings that you put the dog in are the key, you know, in my mind. And then it's important to just make sure he looks like the same dog every time you draw him, you know? And so, that was a key. What? But, you know, the, the drawings of Buster in the book are just sort of what you would expect of a dog. There's one of him uh, riding a Rottweiler and wearing a cowboy hat. Uh, there's one of him holding an Oscar when he... Uh, wins the award for best dog in leading role after playing himself in the movie based on the book. Um, you know, there's one of him driving the delivery truck for the uh, meal delivery service, which will be called Wagyu Tail. Um, so it's just, you know, it's just what you would expect. And sometimes I would have ideas and, and tell Bob what my ideas were. And then other times I'd say, I got nothing on this. Just do something. And what he did was always better than my ideas. What What does Buster do on his day off? Every day's a day off for Buster. He says, all my time is spare. 
He um he and I walk uh three and a half, four miles every morning. Wow. Uh and he's pretty much reclining the rest of the time. How old is Buster now? We think he's probably nine. We've had him for uh, a little over seven years. He didn't come with a birth certificate from, from Bark, uh, but they thought he was one or two. That he's, he's still a very uh, robust and energetic dog. We had conversations with him, and this applies to all of us. I'm curious, what, if, if a dog did have thumbs, how much different would their lives be? I have two Labrador Retrievers, and I can tell you that if my dogs had thumbs, they would literally eat the house down. There, there would be no stopping them if they could get to pantries, if they could get to refrigerators. There is no such thing as enough or full. Uh, just this morning, uh, Gus was eating his breakfast, and he heard a cheese wrap open up, one of those like uh, American cheese slice wrappers. Oh, Buster's very familiar with the American cheese unwrapping. He stopped his, uh, he stopped, he knew that Rizzo was eating outside and that Rizzo could not get to where Gus was. He stopped in the middle of his meal, which is something that never happens. Looked back to see what was going on with the cheese, realized that there was an opportunity for him to get some of said cheese and, and immediately turned back to his meal to inhale it as fast as possible so that he could get to the cheese <laughs> Before that Rizzo could, before Rizzo could. So I know that if I offered Gus and Rizzo the opportunity to have thumbs, that they would use that for one purpose and one purpose only. Oh, and just think they could, they could, they could drive down to the McDonald's and go through the drive-through. Amazing. All right, so Brooks, tell us how <clears throat> we can get the book. Tell us how we can hear more about the book. I know Buster's active on social media himself. Uh, so, so tell us how we can find out more and see some of Bob's illustrations. Okay. Well, uh, you can get the book directly from me. Uh, you can look on my Facebook page or my website, which is brookseason.com. Um, that's easy. Uh, and you can get a signed copy from me. And uh, just this very morning, Buster was autographing books uh, himself. I got an ink pad so he could put his paw print in the front. And uh, so you can get books directly from me. You can also get books from all of the um, uh, usual online sites. Um, if you feel like um, Jeff Bezos needs the money more than Bob and I do, then you can get it from Amazon, but you can also get them directly from us. And how would uh, a listener that, that wants a copy reach out to? Uh, well, you can um, email me to, uh, at, at, Beeson, B-E-A-S-O-N at Watkins Eager, W-A-T-K-I-N-S, Eager, E-A-G-E-R.com, or send me a text message to my cell, which is 601-540-3276, and you can send me a check. Um, My address is 500 Roses Bluff Drive, Madison, Mississippi, 39110, or you can send uh, money by Venmo uh, to Brooks, hyphen Eason. I'm trying to get set up so that I can take credit cards, but I'm not very techie. So I'm getting somebody to help me do that, but I don't have that quite yet. Um, so if you want to, if you want to sign the book for Christmas, then you can send me a check or, um, or Venmo money. It's uh, $35 for the hardbacks and $20 for paperbacks. Uh, 
and soon, um, hopefully in the next week, there will also be a children's version of Bedtime with Buster. Bob's illustrations were so fabulous that the, the publisher and I decided, or I decided and the publisher agreed that there should be a children's version too. Great uh, and it'll be, uh, you know, 28 pages long instead of 300, and it will be 4,000 words instead of 80,000 words. Uh, Less adult content involved. <laughs> that's true. That's true. There won't be, uh, there won't be nearly as much dirty talk in the children's version. Um, I'll be smart. Yeah. <laughs> Bob, how do you top this as, as an artist? Well, I don't think I can. I, I don't, I, I think it's all over after this. You think you'll just retire after this? Well, let me say yeah. this about Bob. Bob is, um, uh, Although he's done dog illustrations in the past, his real specialty is uh, landscape, watercolor landscapes. And we've got one and uh, I've told him another one that I want. And he's, um, uh, you can see those on his website. And he's very, very talented. And uh, I think he may even make a Prince of Buster available. Uh, so tell us about your website, Bob, before we go. It's uh, Robert-Fugate dot pixels.com p-i-x-e-l-s.com and that is it's an art website it's got um, you know when I put up a um, a painting it makes all sorts of options available on that work that you know could be <laughs> silly things like uh, an image could could be on a uh, an iPhone cover you, or you can order a, pr a framed print and a variety of other types of things like that. A coffee mug or something could have Buster's picture on it, all uh, priced on the website somehow through some kind of e-commerce magic that I don't understand. But, um, but yeah, I'm, I've got to do some work to update that a little bit and put Buster on the site. He's not there yet, but he'll be there shortly. Well, I've talked to Buster about it, and he expects to be front and center. He will be, yes. It'll be probably the Buster uh, at pixels.com at some point. Neil, do you have any intentions of writing a book one day? And if so, what would that be? Um, I've written a couple of children's books just in my house. Uh, when, the girl, when the kids were little, I, would write, I wrote a book about uh, some of their stuffed animals similar to this, but I'm, I'm, as you know, Stacy, uh, confidence has never been my strong suit. I don't, I don't think I'm talented enough to write a children's book that would actually get published. I really don't. So it'll, it, they've, they've got it on a email file and they'll have, that'll have to probably suffice. Neil, since, since they're all old Miss guys on here, um, I'll, I'll share this with you. When I was in law school and I was poor as a church mouse, uh, one year, for Christmas, I decided, and this is one of my first creative writing efforts, but one year for Christmas, I wrote a story for my daddy, also an Ole Miss alum, about the Ole Miss Alabama and Ole Miss Tennessee games in 1969 when Archie Manning was a junior. Uh, and he was, my daddy was my Boy Scout leader and we were on campouts uh, for both of those football games. And that was what, 51 years ago, and I remember those games better than any games in the last 20 years. 
And I was actually at both of those games. No, the Alabama game was in Tuscaloosa, right? I think so. It was at night, and it was the first ever nationally televised right. college football game. But the Tennessee, is that the other one you said? Right. It was right here in Memorial Stadium, and I was with my daddy uh, attending that game. But Well, Brooks, it, it's great to have you, as always. Um, Neil, you want to close us out? Yeah, I'll close this out. Thanks to you guys for being here. That was, that was, that was a lot of fun. Yeah, thanks to Bob. Thanks to Brooks. That was a lot of fun. Hopefully people will reach out and, um, and get the book. Be a great uh, holiday gift. Be easy, to, easy shopping, too, because you don't have to get out and all that stuff. And, um, yeah, good, good luck with it. And uh, certainly tell Buster that we said hello and we appreciate, we appreciate his time. Hopefully we can get him on the podcast at, at another time. He'd like that. He yearns for fame. From what I hear, I think he would enjoy the publicity. All right, so uh, gentlemen, thank you so much. Uh, that does it for this episode edition of uh, Mind on My Money presented by Pinnacle Trust. Don't forget, reach out to Pinnacle Trust at pintrust.com, P-I-N-N trust.com. Tell them that you heard about the podcast. You heard about them on the podcast. You get 10% off your first year's fees. So for uh, Stacey Wall, I'm Neil McCready. That does it for this episode. We'll talk to you again next week. Take care.